0: All right, let's open our Bible, please. Look at John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. Find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment, and then bring the message, I believe, the Lord would have me to in the service tonight. Wonderful to be back in the Lord's house again this evening. I appreciate this good number being present tonight, and as Pastor said, we have a good crowd every night. Great meeting, good spirit of God. I appreciate all that the Lord has done. Appreciate the presentations tonight. I appreciate Brother Steve Hensel and his wife leaving the Beautiful place of Tennessee and going to Idaho. I've never been to Idaho. I was in New Mexico just about three weeks ago. And I'd pastor and I drove for hours. And his constant message was, Brother Blue, there's no Baptist church in this town. There's no Baptist church in this town. In fact, it went so far with going that he wanted to go to another town and I just was wore out. And I said, brother, I need to get rest and get ready to preach tonight. But there's such a need out there. Such a need. And then I appreciate brother Staley, Mike Staley. I prayed for him all these years still in Peru. I don't know how he got out of the will of God. But. Anyway, I prayed for them. Get on my prayer list, you about got to die, then I keep praying for your family. But anyway, I prayed for them and I appreciate that presentation. I believe it's brother Alverson, brother Jeff Alverson that... Uh, Uses this four-point outline I borrow it. I've never preached it per se, but I give it out a lot. I like it. You know, as he said earlier, one of the most productive fields that a missionary can go to for labors to be sent out of is the military. And I know you've heard Brother Jeff say this, I'm sure you have. I'm a good friend of Brother Don Drake's as well, he and Patsy. But Brother Jeff says, a military man, when he goes into the military, he learns number one that there's a man in charge. He's not the boss. Number two, he learns that there's a manual to go by. You don't just do it anyway. Number three, you learn that there's a mission to be carried out. Number four, you gotta learn you've learn you got to be mobile, ready to go when your commander tells you to do so. And with that background training in that military, so he's ready to go when God speaks. Our problem goes all the way back to the home. We don't make our children obey authority in the home, so... They're not used to authority, not used to nobody telling them what to do. got their own mind, their own will. But I tell you, God wants us to be involved in the work of the Lord. I praise the Lord for it. Thank you again for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for the offering given. Uh, those of you that have purchased books and things off the table, thank you for that. I've not said much about it, but they're back there, and there's a suggested price list. All that goes in radio. I don't get anything out of that. A radio bill runs nearly 4000 nearly $5,000 a month. And you can pay any month you want to, or as many as you want to. It'll be fine. But I, I say this often, preacher, I don't know if I've even mentioned it this week or not, but just go by, look the books over. If you find something you want, get it, put the money in the jug, and go on. You go by and look the books over, you don't find anything you want, put the money in the jug, and go on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I do appreciate what the Lord's done and doing and then uh, I do, and I thought about this. I don't know if you know who Jim Aguiar is or not. Did you? Jim was in Germany. Jim Aguiar had 17 years toward retirement, 17 years buildup. And God called him. God saved him and called him to preach. And he surrendered, left Germany, came home, got his training, preparation, went back to Germany, and Frank Caceres, the first year, that first four year term that Brother Jim was in Germany at a military place, a military church, he had 12 people surrender to full time service out of that first four year term. Frank Caceres was one of them. And the reason I said that now, Frank's wife, Frank died in December. Paco, we all knew him. His wife, Cookie, died a couple of days ago. They'll be burying her on Saturday. Fruit. And then all the work they've done for God all these years, fruit to the mission programs of churches just like Whitfield Baptist Church. I'll tell you, it's going to be exciting to get to the judgment seat of Christ if we've done what God wants us to do. There's that error that we all dread. None of us have completely, completely carried everything out. But I'm telling you, for what we've done and the surprises that's going to be there, we knew nothing about but God will reward everything according his divine will. Again, thank you. I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate your support. And you pray for us, God, would help us and bless us, and the Lord's will be done. Let's stand together, if you would, please. Your Bible open. John chapter number four, very familiar verse of scripture in speech and missions, and so I want to use it. I feel like this is what the Lord wants me to do tonight. I want you to pray, God will bless and have his way, and the Lord's will be done. I want to just make one statement before I read. Can I, really, can I really nail this down? Preacher don't know what I'm fixing to say. He's nervous. Maybe I'm going to say something. But You know, when you hear a message, you don't wait three weeks to go to the altar. This is the reason that I always push when you take a faith promise commitment, do it at the close of the preaching on it. It's like an altar call. Do it while it's on your heart. I promise you, if you put it off to Sunday, if you put it off to two Sunday, the devil's gonna fight you all the way. So you go ahead and do it. So when you go ahead and do it, then start doing it and watch God prove his blessings upon your life. John 4, let me just read verse 35. Our Lord, speaking to his disciples, said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you. Lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already for harvest. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Father, again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bow before you to pray. One more time, Father, let me say thank you for the privilege that I've had to be born in America, to hear the gospel, to be saved by the grace of God, called to preach, put in the ministry, kept there, and blessed of the Lord as I am, so undeserving, so unworthy. No one ever thought anything good could ever come out of my life. Oh, God, thank you for the saving grace of God and the marvelous mercies of our God that works in our life to fashion us and mold us and make us after your divine will. What I do, want to say, I appreciate so much what you have done in this week of meeting. Lord, I have no particular person in my mind as I say this, but I am confident that the Spirit of God is working a work, Lord, that will be manifest soon in the life of some people in this service, in this church. I pray, Lord, God, you bring it to fruition. Do that you want to do, and that, that needs to be done. Help us not to put off when we know what we ought to do, but do it to the glory of God. There'll be no regrets at the end of the way if we serve you, Lord, as you've told us to. Now, Lord, help me tonight. Help your people and speak to our hearts and work in our lives. Do what you want to do and for what you do, Father, I'll give you a praise, honor, and glory because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you. maybe. may be seated. Do keep your Bible open. Please just sing it with a message for tonight. From the word of God. When I read John chapter 4 verse number 35, the first thought that comes to my mind is this. No one would argue with me there is a harvest out there. That thought is followed by this thought. No one would argue with me that God wants us to reap that harvest. Can I get an amen there? I don't think anybody here would argue with me that Christ died for every lost sinner. Tasted death for every man. Not a select few or an elect few, but a whosoever will. Anyone, anywhere. God has no respect to a person. He'll save anybody that comes to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I look at this verse of Scripture, I have two thoughts. I want to just mention the first one briefly and then linger for a while. We'll be out by 12. On the second thought tonight. That to notice, first of all, since there is a harvest, and since it is God's will that we harvest that harvest, I want to preach tonight on this question. What can I do? What can I do? What part? Can I play? That's not a good word to say because we're not playing games, but you understand my language there. Two things that jump into my mind as I look in this verse of Scripture. First of all, if we're going to harvest the harvest, we first must visualize the harvest. The devil hates a mission meeting because he knows, the Word of God teaches, that our eyes affect our heart. I don't believe any saved person could look at what's been shown to us this week in the presentations. Not because of me, but listen to what's been said this week through the preaching of the word of God. I do not believe you can leave this service when it's over tonight. The same as you were last Wednesday night before we ever started. God has shown us some things. God has spoken to us. And I praise the Lord for it. But notice, we must visualize the harvest. Three things you'll see if you look at the harvest. Now I'm just going to mention these because I want to come to the latter point. Number one, without question, the harvest truly is plenteous. There's a harvest across the street, across the state, and across the sea. I make this statement especially to the members of Whitfield Baptist Church and Brother Cofield and his people. Brother Coffield, Whitfield Baptist Church is needed in Dalton, Georgia tonight more than it was the day you started it 40 years ago. This church needs to be a bright and shining light, a soul-winning church, a visitation church, a knock-on-door church, a gospel-preaching church to the town God put you in. It's needed right here in Dalton, Georgia. But not just here, but across the state of Georgia and across the United States of America. I've never been to a place that I didn't see fields that are plenteous, ready for harvest. Not only do I realize that the fee of the harvest is plenteous, but second I just mentioned to you, the harvest is precious. We're not dealing with stocks and bonds, silver and gold, land and retirement. <laughs> We're dealing with souls that are so precious, God sent his son to die for them. Christ gave his life, gave his blood, gave his all, and then God has kept the church alive for 2,000 years for the sole purpose he loves sinners and wants them to be saved with the grace of God. Not only the harvest is plenteous, the harvest is precious. But the harvest is perishing. Now, I don't want to be argumented when I make this statement, but in my studies of the Bible Brother field, I don't find cotton fields in the Bible land. All of us here in Georgia, and around the South, we think of a white field, we think about a cotton tomorrow, but there is no cotton growing in the Bible land. So what are you talking about? The basic thing you find in the Bible, and as far as I can find out, is grain. Grain is not white when it's ripe, ready to harvest. When grain turns white, it's an indication it's been left in the field so long. All protection is opened up off of it. The old timers, when I grew up, they called it the sun's bleaching out the wheat. But it exposes those wheat kernels to the element, and just a good rain knocks them out to the ground, and they're gone forever. You see, we're not dealing with souls that's gonna need God a hundred years from now. We're not dealing with missionaries that's gonna need support a hundred years from now. We're dealing with souls some. Many, watch the light flash. Many will die tonight. Pastor with this is sad news of our brother. Sad for us, good for him. When going home to be the Lord today. What a hero he was in my own life. What a help he was. But The harvest is plenteous, it's precious, it's perishing. Often we hear the story told of Jonah and what a great missions, message there is in Jonah. Thank God in chapter 3, God is a God of a second chance. A preacher? You think how many people would have died in 72 hours in a city that large? There was no second chance for them. The gospel is good news only if it reaches the destination in time. And people hear it. The harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest truly is precious. The harvest truly is perishing. Now to the real heart of the message tonight. Not only we must visualize the harvest, but we must, we must analyze the harvesting. I want to preach tonight for a little while on this thought. What can I do? What part do I play? How can we reach this world? How can we reach the world? How can we do it? Now, I want to ask the question. You're real quiet and I don't mind it as long as you're listening, looking at me like you are. Do you think the Lord would give us a commission that we could not carry out? I remember somebody mentioned to me earlier tonight before the service about those uh, days when Dr. Robinson was in his high days at Highland Park. He and Dr. Faulkner were there and the mission conferences they had, and I had the privilege of attending some of them. I was just pastoring. I mean, I, that didn't sound right, did it? But I, I was pastoring. I was not involved in missions as far as preaching missions is concerned. Our church was. I remember one night, Brother Cofield, they, they had a forum. They had a lot of missionary leaders, BIM, IN, IBJM, and several of those boards in the area, in the choir, missionaries as well. Some brother was standing at the podium as I am and he was fielding questions from the congregation and then he turned around and direct that question to somebody. And <clears throat> the question came in, do you think we can get, don't you think we can get so many missionaries we cannot afford them all? And the fellow who was moderating said, I'd like to answer that, but I'm going to carry out protocol. And so he turned and there was a gentleman standing maybe the second or third pew right there by the bench on the front row in the choir. He said to him, called him by name, he knew him said, it's your question. Do you think we can get so many missionaries we cannot support them all? And I'll never forget it, Brother When he done it. She said, no! (laughs) And the moderator said, I agree with you, but I want to know what's behind that. No! He said, I believe if God called half of the members of any independent Baptist church to the mission field, the other half would support him. Or they'd be afraid God would call them if they didn't. <laughs> Amen. But what can I do? What part can I play? Three things. And I, I, I the first one I have to really discipline myself, or I will be here a long time. Number one, let me say to you if you're making notes, write this down, then I'll deal with it. If we're going to harvest this harvest, we need mighty. Put a little slash and put this down in Georgia language. Somebody got to get a hold of God. Any missionary that's worth a salt that goes in his bread would tell you they need your prayers more than they need your support. I realize that can be a turnoff to some people, but it is a truth. You see, there's a lot of things money can do, but there's a lot of things money cannot do. I made this statement. I really wanted to run a lap around the building. I'll let somebody do it for me later, but there is absolutely nothing, nothing. I'm saying nothing, zero zip, nothing. Impossible for our God when he's moving in answers to the prayers of the praying saints at the house of God. Somebody made this statement, and I like it. The real strength of the church is not its outreach, but it's its upward reach. And it reaches upward, then God reaches down and touches others outside. It's not how many we're running, it's how many we're sending. I'm saying to you, God wants us to have the power of God to touch heaven and then touch the world through others in the work of God. Is I, and here's where we're going to watch this but is I? I, was, I heard that message. I heard a message on praying for missions one night. Brother Cofield, and I was challenged. That missionary preacher challenged us. He said, I challenge you, pray an hour for missions. Well, I've just always been that kind of fellow. I take challenges. I may fail them, but I like, I take them and challenge them. Try to say I'm going to pray an hour. And I, I got myself alone with the Lord in my prayer place, and I prayed about everything I could think of for missions. And I looked at my watch, Brother Smith, and it'd been seven minutes. I was embarrassed. I prayed again. That's why I never did finish the hour. But you know what God did? God taught me, please don't be offended. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. God taught me the simple fact, Brother Randy, I didn't know how to pray for a mission. You know what my general prayer for missions was? God bless our missionaries. I still pray that, by the way, when I'm in a hurry. But if that's all the praying we ever do for missions, don't expect much answer when there's not much praying going on. I promise the Lord, Lord, if you'll teach me how to pray for missions, not only will I pray for them, but I will also teach others to. Through the years, it's been my joy to do that. In my praying for missions and God teaching me, the Holy Spirit showed me three things, not immediately, but separate weeks and months in my life. I want to give them to you very quickly. If we're going to harvest this harvest, number one, we're to pray for labors to be sent. The message of the Scripture has been mentioned more than once this week. but Our Lord said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth labors into the harvest. Now look at me just a moment. If we could use language like we're familiar with and call that a prayer request, that's the only prayer request the Lord made in the Word of God, as far as I know. Can you imagine a Wednesday night prayer meeting and we're going to gather around the altar here at Whitfield and we're going to have a time of prayer. Pastor Cofield, Pastor Jason, somebody's up here taking prayer requests. Can you imagine what would happen if the Lord entered into that service bodily? You know, and I'm not making fun, please. We pray for all of us, different things, but pray for my mama, pray for my child, pray for my loved one. The Lord raised up a nail pierced stand. You know what he'd say? I want you, Pastor and the people at Whitfield Baptist Church, To pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest and sit down. He came back the next Wednesday night saying prayer request. That's the only one he has, Only one ever gave in the eternal word of God. I remember when the Holy Spirit started working on my life about what I'd been doing about the Lord's prayer request. Can I really be honest with you a moment? It bothers me sometimes that I have so much human frailty and never get accomplished a lot of the things that I plan to accomplish. I've been in meetings like this before. Pastor and somebody come up to me with a prayer request after service and said, Brother Blue, pray for my mom. She's having surgery in the morning at 9 o'clock or, you know, just fill in the blank like that. About noon, I realized I forgot to pray. I've seen it really happen when I come into church on the next evening and they come in. Oh, I forgot to pray. It's a horrible feeling. But can you imagine Jesus asking us to pray about something and us either forgetting it or ignoring it? Can you imagine us forgetting it are ignoring the Lord's request. You see, God did not leave it up to denominational leaders. God didn't leave it up to pastors and deacons. God didn't leave it up to mission boards to select missionaries. God reserved that right to himself to call missionaries. To call missionaries. Now, it really got a hold of my heart, Preacher, when I realized When Jesus said, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, he said, send forth laborers, you know what he's really saying? Pray for me. He is the Lord of the harvest, right? Pray for me. You see, God knows what it is. Christ knows what it is to leave home, to go to a total strange place where he's unwanted, unloved, and rejected. He knows what it is. He said, pray for me that I would send forth laborers, into the harvest. I ask you tonight, what are you doing about the Lord's prayer request? But, feel I take this, this literally and this seriously. I believe since the Lord told me to pray for him and send forth labors, when we come to the judgment seat of Christ, I believe he's going to bring it up. Here's my, here's blueism, all right, stay with me just a moment. I can just imagine coming to the judgment seat of Christ and the Lord saying, what did you do about my prayer request? I want to be able to say, Lord, I prayed for your prayer request. You know what I think he's going to say? I know you did. Come here. I want to introduce you to the people. You prayed off a church pew to a mission field. Now, if you think I'm dreaming, don't shake my hand and wake me up after church because It's not a nightmare. I believe that. Can you imagine right here in the Whitfield Baptist Church Assembly? You stay right here, serve God here. You're here becomes you're there. But you know how to pray and you pray for God and somewhere either from this church or another church, the Holy Ghost calls somebody and God sends him. And it'll be on your account, your fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe God will let him introduce all of his fruit to us. You know, in the work of God, there is no such thing as grandchildren, but there is such thing as fruits and grandfruits and great-grandfruits Amen. and great-great-grandfruits. Pray for labors to be sent. We're to pray them in, see them saved, pray them up, see them strong, and pray them out, see them serving. Number two, write this down. don't need mighty power. Somebody got to get a hold. of God. We're to pray for labors to be sent. But second, we're to pray for labors to be sustained. Now, here's a touchy situation, and I'm not bothered that it touches me. I hope it bothers you. I get tired, preacher. of seeing missionaries go to the field and come home. Now, hear what I'm saying. If a missionary gets on the field and realizes they're out of the will of God, I don't want them to stay out of the will of God. I'd rather them just acknowledge I missed it and come home than stay out of the will of God. Having said that, I want to say this. Not everybody that's leaving the field is leaving in the will of God. God is not in all the missionary hopping to the field, hopping back. That's going on in our day. But the Lord taught me a lesson concerning that, that I I never will get over as long as I keep my right mind. My wife and I, of course, we grew up near the Cleveland, Tennessee area. My wife and I had a couple that was related a little bit to her, friends of ours, and he passed away. The husband passed away. And though it's heartbreaking, preacher, still happens, even to Baptist church members, she moved in with somebody she was not even married with. They lived together a little while. They came home from work. Nobody knows what happened, but he killed her. Send her to eternity. We went for the funeral, went for the viewing, went back for the funeral, and I was not preaching the funeral. A member of the family was preaching, and so he had a little bit more liberty made to say some things that normally you couldn't say, Pastor, I could not say. They tell us in a situation like that, you know, just get up there and preach to the living. Don't mention the tragedy. Now, I'm telling you, that preacher broke every rule in a book for us. The book is concerned that day. I'm not talking about the Bible. He got up there and just got started in, you know, a little common introductory words. And he said, well, the question is, who's to blame? Wow. Then he started this line. He said, "Well, oh, I know they've got the accused assailant up at the jail, and we say he's to blame to some degree. But I wonder who else is to blame. It got quiet, even for funeral. And he said, I wonder if our church is to blame. What were we doing when our sister in loneliness and the deep valley of grief would turn to a lost man instead of coming to us? He said, I wonder if I'm to blame. He said, I've been racking my mind thinking about And he pointed back to a section. When she sat back there I wonder when I preached the last three times she heard me preach. Did I just preach or was I having a message from God for the hour? It's getting quieter. He said, I wonder if the family's to blame. Where was the family? Where were we all at as a family? I never dreamed that would become an illustration of the message when it happened. But God taught me this I will never. Never say anything negative about a missionary that comes home if I didn't pray for them while they're on the field. And if I pray for them, they still come home. Sometimes it makes me check my own prayer life. I know we're serious. I'm serious. I hope you're serious with me. But they need our prayer. You see, we give so they can live, but we must pray so they can stay. There's not enough support. Many missionaries, while we're sitting here tonight enjoying the comfort of this field and the fellowship of these brothers and sisters in Christ, there are missionaries that's fighting every imaginable battle that there is head on. Multiple battles. And there's not enough money to keep them on the field. Oh, somewhere. I don't mean this in a negative way, but somewhere. Yes, sir? group of people over here in the backside of Dalton, Georgia, if just one person gets a hold of God in intercessory prayer, could change the future of not just that missionary, but by everyone he's going to be influenced to for the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how much to blame I am for missionaries that come home because I didn't pray for them right. Number three, we're not only to pray that labors be seen, labors be sustained, we're to pray that labors be successful. Success is not necessarily a matter of man's judgment. God doesn't judge as man does. Success can be summed up by accomplishing the will of God. We ought to just pray, Lord, go back down to them lights or get out there where the prayer letters are and look at everybody out there and pray, God, help them to accomplish the will of God. I like a lot of plans that we've heard this week. I have no criticism of anything that we've heard this week, but I'm simply saying to you, I don't know the will of God, Brother Staley, for you and your precious wife, but God can let you know, and I'm going to pray, God, help you to accomplish the will of God. Just before I left the pastor, I was on a Sunday night we had missions meeting and we took on three different missionaries on Sunday night. Tuesday morning I was preaching a fellowship meeting and one of them, two of the missionaries showed up. One of them walked up to me when lunch was over. Lunch was being fixed. The morning service was over. And he said to me, Brother Blue, I want to ask you a question. I said, what is it? He said, as one of your missionaries, you're a supporting Pastor. What do you expect out of me? I never meditated on that preacher. It caught me off guard. I thought of meeting. I said, if when you and I meet the Lord, if the Lord will say, well done, I'm going to give you a double thumbs up. You please God, it pleases me. Pray for labors to be seen. Pray for labors to be sustained. Pray for labors to be successful. Number two, write this down. We not only need mighty power, somebody got to get a hold of God, but we need manpower. Somebody got to go. Quickly, I hasten to say I'm grateful to God for all the electronic media that we have today and the electronic capabilities that we have. I stand in this pulpit tonight. I suppose I'm being live streamed and So That means around the globe, maybe even some of your own members who are missionaries and other missionaries are watching right now. Thank God for that wonderful, wonderful open door opportunity. I want to say something tonight, church. Hear what I'm saying. Electronic means is by no means a substitute for missionaries on the field, on the job, loving the people, leading the people, lifting the people. Can I say learning? people and be used of God to encourage and educate and enlist them in the service of God. We still need missionaries to go in flesh, flesh and bones in body around the world. There's still a need, a great need. Again, I say thank God for all the electric electronic media that we have and the ability we have. We need Mark Coffey's on the field in South Africa. We need Mike Staley's preaching and teaching our mission, our military. And forgive me, I don't want to take the time, but down the line night after night as we've heard from all these missionaries in the country, we need that. Oh, that some of us would hear the message from last night where Isaiah said, where God said in Isaiah's hearing, who can ascend? we will go for us? To me, it's like Isaiah said, hey, hey, hey. I got all fixed up, fired up, filled up, fessed up. Send me. Send me. I'm telling you, nothing would thrill the heart of this pastor, the heart of this preacher preaching, the heart of this people than to see God call somebody else out of this church. To the mission field, to serve God. I'm not trying to get you workers to leave you, Brother Cofield. But I'm just trying to get that's your, you know, when we send out laborers, we send out workers, God sends in some new ones. You've saw it through the years. You've saw it through the years. We need mighty power. Somebody got to get the hold of God. We need manpower. Somebody got to go. And let me come quickly to the third one. We need, we need money power. Somebody got to give. There's no substitute for praying for missions. There's no substitute for personnel permissions. But There's surely no substitute for provisions for missions. God's got a plan of financing this church. We looked at this on the Lord's Day. We learned that God instituted a system that we know is tithing. The Bible calls it tithing. To pay the bills of the normal local operation of the church any church that gets its memberships to give to the treasure of the church of tithe and the offerings, God will bless that church with enough funds to do whatever God wants that church to do. And God set up not only the tithing, but God set up free will offerings for special needs that arises in the life and ministry of the church. But then I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians 16, and I want to quickly go through this again before we close tonight, God set up a method of financing missions programs. And by the way, can I make this statement? God doesn't have a plan B. I remember several years ago, preacher, I was in a meeting, and I kind of got a trap set for me. I thought it was a trap. It was not really a trap, but it was, I was uncomfortable when I found I was I was invited to breakfast to discuss missions with a Southern Baptist preacher. And I took him up, crucify me, but I took him up on it. When I got there, I started toward a table with four chairs, and he said, no, come over here to the big table. I've invited some of my friends. So it turns out there were three pastors, and each one of them brought either a deacon or a man of his church. I had six of them there against me. We had a meal, and there was some good fellowship and some quietness, you know, some little hesitancy in there. And then... I can still see it. We got through eating. The leader of our meeting, the host of the meeting, was sitting at the end of the table, and he kind of pushed his chair back, crossed his legs, and took a, cup of, a coffee cup in his hand like that, you know. He said, now, Brother Blue, tell us what you're preaching about missions giving. What I didn't know, preacher, he had read my book and heard some of my tapes on it, and he liked it and wanted me to convince his brethren it was right so he wouldn't be alone and accept it. I didn't know that. So I went through what I'm fixing to go through with you in just a few moments here. When I got through, not directly across, but one chair to my left across the table, a fellow said to me, now wait a minute. We give, and I'm not talking about giving a little, we give a lot to missions. And we designate our missions. And it said we're giving the Annie Armstrong offering, which is a Southern Baptist missionary offering Offering that is named after a particular lady. And then we're given the Lottie Moon Offering, which also is another. Those two constitute basically the large part of their missions, giving. And then he said, we're not only giving them, we designate giving to the North Carolina Children's Home. We were in the state of North Carolina. And then he said to me, what's wrong with that? I looked back at him, I said, you don't want me to answer that. He said, Yes, I do. I looked to the host of the breakfast and he said, Tell us. I said, Why would we want to take a mission offering twice a year in the name of a dead woman when the scriptures teach us to take one every Lord's Day in the name of a living Lord? And I wasn't smart at it. I mean, it just come out and it just kind of like, Mmm, case. God doesn't have a plan B. God's not looking for suggestions or information. God's looking for obedience. What is God's plan? Look at your Bible again, verse number one. Now concerning the collection for the saints. As I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, I skipped this on Sunday, but I want to deal with it very briefly. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's making an example to them out of the churches of Galatia. Now, there are those who say this, and Brother Cofield, I really feel I need to mention this. I know you deal with such issues all the time. But there are those, and there's a large number of them, who teach that this is a substitute, a replacement of the tithes and offerings of the Old Testament. I want to show you why it's not. Look at me just a moment. Use your brain just a moment. You cannot replace something that's not been removed Preacher, you replace your vehicle, you get rid of the one you've got. Get another one. I challenge you. Book, chapter, and verse. Who removed tithing? Who removed it? Who? When? Book, chapter, and verse. You can't find it. Another thing I want you to notice look at your Bible very closely. We believe every word is pure. The Bible said, Now, concerning the collection, what's the next three words. For the saints. Tithes are not collected for saints. They're collected from saints. Preacher, knowing you and knowing Baptists as I do, 40 years you've been pastor here now. I'm sure there's never been a Sunday when you got up and said, We're going to receive Sunday morning tithes and offerings for this family or that family. We don't collect tithes. We collect tithes from things. And if you don't understand it, there's a world of difference in collecting something for me and from me. Now I want you to notice something else. Paul said in verse number one, I have given order. That word demands our attention. You do notice the word order doesn't have an S on the end of it. It's singular. Orders could be, Brother Colfield, get up here and say to our musicians, come to the instruments, and to Brother Andy get a song ready. Everybody stand. everybody. That's orders. this is not orders, it's order. The word order without the S means an established pattern. You've said to your children, I want you to do this, 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 in that order. I want you to put this here, that, there. Everybody with me? Order. It means an established pattern. Then he said, as I have given an order to the churches of Galatia. Then he said, even so do ye. You know what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth? I want you to follow the example. I want you to follow the same order that I set up in the churches of Macedonia or of Galatia. Wait a minute. Look at me just a moment. I do not have in my hand the word of Paul. Have the word of God. Uh, And it's God, the Holy Ghost, saying not just to the church at uh, Corinth 2,000 years ago, Brother the church at Whitfield Baptist, and I could say this anywhere in the world, God said in those first Gentile churches, I establish this order, this pattern, this plan, this principle of giving for those serving God in other places. And I want you to set up the same order of giving in your church also. we learn it's verse number two, it's to be systematic giving from the first day of the week. We learn it's to be total involvement. God said, let every one of you. We learn that it's to be given as God's prospered us, and we learn in verse 3 and 4 best to be given as to the local church and distributed by the authority of the local church. That's God's plan. It's not mine, it's God's. It's God's. And God's not changing. He's not looking for a second way, He's not looking for a plan B. He's looking for obedience. Now, quickly, I want you to come with me to Second Corinthians chapter number nine, and I want to finish here. We looked earlier on Sunday at chapter number eight, how that the saints over in Macedonia they gave out of their poverty, they gave beyond their power, they gave his partners, they gave their person first to the Lord. But then look at chapter number eight, verse number. Pardon me, chapter nine, verse number six. Here we have the parable of faith, promise, giving. God likens our giving to sowing and our receiving to reaping. Somebody blessed me with something today. I will not call any names. I thanked them for it and they said, I'm sowing something. There's four rules in God's law of the harvest. You you sow. Number two, and I know this is simple, but it's true. Make a spiritual. You reap after sow. So many of us have an idea, boy, if God had just give me something, then I'd give something back to him. That's like me standing beside my garden and saying, if you'd produce, I'd plant. Planting is first, and planting costs. Then you reap more than you sow. But now then, there's a principle in verse number seven. Look at it. It's on the back of your card. If you want to look over, it's not turn your card where you keep the big part. But first of all, we learned that it is to be personal giving every man. You have the responsibility and you have the opportunity to go to God for yourself and by yourself with a simple question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Don't come and ask Pastor Colfield. Don't come over to some of your friends or buddies or neighbors and say, what do you all giving?" No, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You. And God will answer by laying on your heart what He wants you to do. Personal giving. Then it's planned giving. When you ask God what He wants you to do, God tells you, just put it down, start doing it. You know, God's not a God of negotiating desires. Can I say what I want to say? It doesn't sound good, preacher, but it's a Bible truth. God is stubborn. When He says it, that's it. I learned that. My first faith promise, before God ever, when we ever started to meet in Brother Cofield, I made up my mind, I'm going to give $5 a week to missions. y'all hear what I just said? I'm going to give $5 a week to missions. I'm going to give $5 a week to missions. And that preacher come in there and went to preach. Isn't it amazing how preachers mess up things? I'm telling you, just you got everything lined out and you feel, you know, here comes a preacher. He messes it up again. That preacher got up and he said, If you didn't ask God, it's not the faith. Y'all done figured out. I didn't ask God. He said, If you can figure out how you can do it, it's not a faith. If you can see it, it's not a faith. I struck out. So I asked God. In fact, I really told God I was going to give $5. And God said, 10. And I said, 5. And I learned that first year, you don't win an argument with God. With a trembling hand, I circled $10 a week, $520 for the year. That year, Brother Bob Daugherty, who went to heaven today, came to our church, was going to the land of the Bible with Brother Mays and some other fellas. Brother Bob mentioned it to me about going, and I've always wanted to go, and he mentioned it to our church. I think they thought it was a one-way trip called everybody saying amen. Then Brother Bob said, if we could raise $1,000, Brother Blue could go. And in just two or three minutes, we raised $1,040. I went to Israel, enjoyed the trip, came back, a year goes by, and it's Faith Promise Missions number two, conference number two. During the week that week, the man of God said, now look back, what's God done? And all of a sudden, God just kind of rolled the scales from my eyes. Have you been doing any math while I've been talking? $10 a week, 52 weeks, $520. $520, $1,040. Exactly double. But wait a minute, it's really triple. he you give the 520 to put in a mission offering. $1,040 for the trip. I was glad then God was stubborn and wouldn't give in to my desires because I would have never got to go to Israel. He knows what's best, but we must come to the place, find out what God wants, put it down, start doing it. It's not only personal giving, planning, it's persistent giving. So let Him give. It's positive giving, not gradual of necessity. For God loveth the cheerful giver. But in verse number eight, it's proving giving, and God is able to make all grace. And these two chapters, if you know anything about it, if you don't go home and read them, these two chapters call missions giving grace. Grace. God's able to make this grace abound unto you also. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, listen what I promise, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good it's such a cheap word to use on God. Verse 8 is God's guarantee. His spoon's bigger than your shovel. He's not going to let you outgive Him. Then I close with a challenge of verse number 13 And that word I mentioned Sunday. The Bible said, while well, by the experiment of this administration. I'm sure many of you were here on Sunday, but let me do this again, if I may, please. By the way, preacher, I, I don't know if I said this son, but I looked this word up. You know what this word experiment means in the Greek? Same thing it means in Georgia. Try and see if it works. God has given two chapters telling us to give, and, and God could have, if some Baptist think he would take a club and said, I said, give. But That's not God. God said, and I believe this is a picture, Pastor can tell what God does for him. Yes, he's a pastor. God does things for him. I can tell what God has done for me. Brother Baloo's an old preacher. God does things for old preachers. The missionary can tell what God's done for him. Yeah, God does things for mission. What you're saying is, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an old preacher. I'm not a missionary. Will God do it for me? I'm so glad God understands all my fears, all my lack of faith. You remember the man in the Bible said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And it's like God said, i tell you what you do. you wonder if I'm going to do it for you or not. Try and see. Experiment. I challenge you tonight, and surely nobody in this church would fit this as a member of the church, but if you're here tonight and you've never tried and faithfully executed faith promise, give God a chance to prove what he'll do. Give God a chance to prove what he'll do. I'll close with this thought right here. I said it early in the week. If you agree with what I'm seeking to say, please give me some amens. There is a God in heaven. There's a world going to hell. Come on, give me some amens. That God loved that world enough He gave his son to die for them. And that same God that loved the world, gave his son to die for them, said all the silver and all the gold, may I paraphrase, all the money, all the wealth is mine. What kind of God would it be that would give His Son to die for that world, and set up in heaven, and hoard the funds needed for missionaries to get to the field and do what God has called them to do? Can I give you one more verse to go with that? Second Peter chapter three, verse number nine: The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. But it's long suffering, that's what listen to this. Not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. How are they going to come to repentance if they never hear the gospel? How are they going to come to repentance if they never hear the word of God? I have written in my Bible, preacher, by that verse, 2 Peter 3, 9, if God's not willing that anybody should perish, why is it so easy for me to let them go on to hell? Why don't I determine that? By the grace of God, I don't want one person to slide through my opportunities and go to hell. What can I do? We need mighty power. Everybody can get on that. We need manpower. Some can get in on that. We need money power. God teaches all of us should be in on that. We need mighty power. We need manpower. You say, well, Brother Blue, you're just talking about giving. Yeah, but I remind you, God's spoon's bigger than your shovel. Somebody said to me years ago, preacher, what what, what advantage you think it is of praying for all those missionaries. I made this statement right off the top of my head, so to speak. I don't know what all it accomplishes around the world. But look at me a moment. It ties me to the throne of God for quite some time every morning of my life. You can't hang around God and God not start hanging around you. You can't get out in the rain and not get wet. How are you going to get where God's got glory dripping and not get and pray. Some of you can go. We can all give. And we're all labors together Amen. when we come to the judgment seat of Christ. Your fruit becomes our fruit Is supporting churches. Every missionary you support, their fruit becomes your fruit. Amen. What part does God want you to play? I'm conscious it's a little bit late but don't shorten God in the altar service tonight. Let's stand together please. Our musicians are coming, Brother Randall's coming, and heads about, eyes are closed. Some can go. All can give, and all can get a hold of God in prayer. Father, take this simple message. Use it to your glory. Oh, God, from this service, from this meeting, this five days, five meetings, dear Lord, from this time of this 2018 missions revival here at Whitfield Baptist Church, I pray that fruit will abound in all three of these areas. I pray, the Lord, you help every member of this church get a list of the missionaries that they support and start a weekly prayer list and don't let a week go by that they don't pray for all their missionaries. I pray, the Lord, God, that you will speak to hearts of those whom you would have go serve you in the service of missions somewhere. And I pray, dear Lord, oh God, help us all to give. Help us, dear Lord, to be able to tap in by faith on the riches of God, the resources of God. Lord, help us to try you. Help us to trust you. Help us to give you that opportunity to prove yourself as we step out by faith and obey God. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What are we saying?